0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today.
1: Welcome to FST,
2: the Saturday edition. I'm your host, Mike and along with Joe Galena. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday morning. Uh, I've been in the throes of draft coverage. I'm sure many of you out there listening have been as well. So that's really what we're going to focus on today. So uh, on the Fantasy Sports Radio, radio Network, uh, we are also on TuneIn Radio on iHeartRadio and terrestrial radio stations, various terrestrial radio stations across the country. So first... I'd like to bring him a boy Joe Galena Joe how
1: are you doing real well uh, great coverage the other night you uh, the, the yeah great stuff uh, and look it's been an exciting time following <laughs> football you know in the middle uh, of baseball season right so uh, a yeah. lot of stuff to get to uh, you know kudos to, to Nashville kudos to the NFL uh, lots of fun stuff going on
2: yeah yeah you can find Joe on Twitter at Joe Galena, um at Mike blewett so uh, as Joe mentioned I was Live on Thursday night, uh, doing draft coverage, and it was myself and Emery Hunt and Dane Martinez and Joe Lisi. Um, Joe Lisi and Emery Hunt are really your college football experts and know everything about these prospects. I do watch some college football, but I can't claim to have the in depth player specific knowledge uh, that those guys have. Um, so. Obviously, there was a lot going on on Thursday night. We backed it up last night with two more rounds of goodness, and we'll get through all of it as much as we can. Later in the show, we'll have somebody on. uh, It's a Packers beat writer Joe DeLasio, and uh, he'll be there to sort of give us his thoughts on on what the Packers were able to do thus far in the draft. They were one of the movers on Thursday night, uh, taking two picks in the first round. So, uh, they moved they they stayed at 12 to take Sean Gary and then they moved up in the draft from 30 to 21 to take Darnell Savage the first safety off the board so we're going to get into a lot of it uh let me get your thoughts first Joe as a Giants fan <laughs> uh and there's a lot to be said and uh sure. I-, I think much of it has been said but uh i wouldn't be doing my job if i didn't give you a couple of free hacks <laughs> what did you think of what they did with their three picks in the uh their picks their three picks in the first round
1: yeah so uh i was shocked when they went with uh, daniel jones at number 6 uh, you You're know, not alone. It, yeah, and in the previews uh, leading up to our show, uh, you had mentioned uh, the Giants uh, only thirty sacks uh, last season, so obviously pass rush uh, was a big need. And uh, you know, Josh Allen just sitting out there for you. You know, I mean, it, 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 it's, weren't you surprised that he was still there? <laughs> uh, and it was almost like gift wrapped. So uh, he was. Yeah, I mean, look. The Jaguars have, are certainly stunned that he oh, got Oh, yeah. I, they, I yeah that
2: absolutely. So, look, I get why, it. But it's a perfect example of why you bring in, evaluate, interview, and grade every player. Yeah, because you never know who Sometimes falls. things happen, mm-hmm. and if Josh Allen no. is your number one, and you're like, there's no way he's getting <laughs> to us at seven. Right, well, right. You better, you better know everything about the guy, because you can't just take him based on everybody else's grades. It's, it's just a good example of that. Cleveland Farrell shocks everybody. Daniel Jones equally shocks people, and then the Jags are there with two teams that they thought could have taken Josh Allen at past.
1: Mm-hmm. And look, you know, I I get it. If if the Giants were very high on Daniel Jones, fine. Uh, But uh, I think he would have been there. Pick seventeen. Uh, there, there have been thought uh, talk uh, about that uh, since the Giants kind of. I guess you don't want to play poker with David Gettleman because uh, I guess everyone knew that Daniel Jones was the guy he was going to go for. So he was worried that uh, the Redskins might have beaten him to it. So I think that's why he jumped the gun a little bit. But look, I get it. I, I and it's such a shame that uh, Daniel Jones's uh, Giants career is starting. Uh, this way, uh, yeah, with not so much negativity, exactly. And you know, I was watching uh, some of the coverage on ESPN last night, and he was interviewed by them. And of course, they had to ask him what he thought about all the uh, negativity and the, the, the surrounding. You know, his pick at number six, and he danced around it. You could tell he was uncomfortable. Unfortunately, it's not going to be the first time that he's going to have to answer a question like that. But you know, I, he, he's a fine quarterback. But uh, I believe that he would have been there at, at seventeen for them. Uh, So uh,
2: it's easy to say this
1: with hindsight. Right, right. But he definitely would have
2: been there at 17. We know know now because Miami Cincinnati did not take a quarterback Mm -hmm. when they could have taken Haskins. So I don't think there's nothing to indicate that they had Jones more highly ranked than Haskins. And I think Washington was floating stories (laughs) out there about Jones. (laughs) Smart. But I think they stayed put and got mm-hmm. the guy that they wanted. I don't think there was that. It seems as if the Giants were the team most interested in Jones, which, honestly, if that's the guy that you've fallen in love with and you think, which is an interesting term to use because Gettleman used it, it's they talked about it being sort of a love affair of sorts, which is just... It's an odd way to phrase all of it. You know, Fell in you, love but, with him at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Well, they drafted the last. They drafted three Senior Bowl MVPs. Like right, they're right. just into that. Lawler was Senior Bowl MVP. Davis Webb was Senior Bowl MVP, and now Daniel Jones. So there isn't any reason to screw around. There isn't any particular reason to screw around and say, "Well, we really love this quarterback, and he's going to be the the." franchise-changing player that we need to add, but let's wait 11 picks. From that context, it doesn't make sense to wait. And if Jones is awesome, who cares, right? Mm -hmm. But there is much of what Gettleman has said and done, frankly, to indicate that he's not particularly good, some might say awful, at reading the room. Whether it's trading Odell. Like, imagine if they just had Odell now, and they Mm. didn't have that 17 pick, and they just had the six, and they traded up to get whomever the hell they wanted at 31, which we'll talk about at 30, excuse me. We'll talk about that in a moment. Then they'd have Odell, Shepard, Ingram, Barkley, the three offensive linemen that are new from a year ago, which is Zeitler and Hernandez and... Uh, Solder, mm-hmm. and then you'd have Eli working with that and or Daniel Jones, a fully functional offense, continue to upgrade offensive line, that's fine, but the weapons were fine, uh, more than fine, they're really good, mm-hmm. and now they don't have Odell, you got the quarterback there that they threw, That it's getting thrown under the bus, and it's yes. no fault of his own, right. then they draft a defensive tackle at 17 who's is, who's is really, really awesome uh, in my opinion and yeah. dominated in college. More however, a run stopper, right? Yes, however, mm-hmm. in today's NFL, he's more of a two-down player. Mhm. He's probably not going to be in there for a full boat of snaps. He may be, but his strength would be in stopping the run. Right. That's like a uh, pressure up the middle. That's not a, it's, it's not something that he can't, you know, it's not, it's not a situation where he can't do that, but right. that style of player is a little bit more limited in the number of snaps that he can take now. And yeah. then they trade up to get Deandre Baker, which I also don't have a problem. If you really like a corner uh, over the other guys and you think that he's a transformative player for your team, go ahead and make the moves. They didn't have any second round picks. That's fine. But, uh, Byron Murphy was there and he ended up being the first pick in the second round. And Greedy mm-hmm. Williams was there and he was early second round as well. So most people had Baker as third on their board. So what it comes down <laughs> to is gentleman keeps telling you that he's the smarter, smartest guy in the room for mm-hmm. his actions and his, sometimes his words. He won't say that, but that's how he's acting right now. Um, so there's two components to the Jones thing. One, if they got the guy that they really like and he's ends up being really good to great, it doesn't matter where he got picked. Right. Sim. On the flip side, if he stinks, oh boy, it doesn't matter how
1: good the other two guys are. Right. It won't yeah. matter. Yeah. And one uh, of the things that people would take an issue with, and uh, they almost put you know words in his mouth where he kind of said uh, gentleman said who knows maybe he'll be uh, you know on a 3 year plan like the packers had right. where he uh, uh, and, and and some people said hey he just said that the you know that we have another 3 years of Eli. he didn't say that he just said who knows you know so this guy is like a, a little bit of a, a, a maybe a loose cannon a little bit of a, a of a banana I think <laughs> <Gettleman>. yeah yeah. <laughs> but, yeah but uh, uh you know it, it it it's it will be interesting uh, and uh I don't know about DeAndre Baker. Yeah, you're you're right. Most people have him down as a as their number three cornerback. Uh, a uh, little bit of lack of speed, lack of size, and then you have other people that, that think that you know he might be one of the best in the in a weak cornerback class. So so I guess we'll yeah. see. Yeah, he's five eleven, one
2: ninety three. Um, you know Byron Murphy was a little bit slower and uh, was a, a a bigger, a better tackler. And then Greedy Williams is seen as like a pure cover guy. Mm-hmm. So Baker's maybe in their eyes a little bit more of a combo guy that they like. Whatever. They feel comfortable with him. And we're just going to have to see how that plays out. You know, all three corners basically got picked within uh, 10 picks of one another, I believe. Now, you know, we're, we're starting off with the Giants, but trust me, we'll talk about other teams. Now, the Giants did get a mid-round draft uh, pass rusher. Oshane Zimenez from Old Dominion was the one of the last picks last night. He's the 31st pick in the third round. He is seen as a, I don't like to say small school with Old Dominion, they're Conference USA. So they are a group of five school. Uh, they don't typically pump out a lot of uh, pro prospects, but Zimenez was seen as a guy that could be a sleeper here in this draft. So they didn't take Josh Allen or... Or even Farrell or some of the other guys that were available to them, Brian Burns, conceivably, but they did uh, nab somebody in the later rounds. Um, so Daniel Jones really was a shocker. Cleveland Farrell was a shocker. Yeah. Uh, only, be- but that's you know that's what the Raiders do. The Raiders are, are another team that are, in some ways, trying to show you they're the smartest guys in the room. They did say they were going to shock people, and they certainly did. Cleveland Farrell is a really productive, very good player. And again, it's not really going to matter where you picked him if he ends up being very productive. It's just that with the Raiders having three picks in that first round, I don't think anybody really had Farrell graded in the top ten or expected to go in the top ten, and he goes at four here. That really started started the first round on fire when teams started getting players that we didn't anticipate them getting.
1: Yeah. And uh, a couple of things regarding uh, Farrell, supposedly, you know, because I was watching, you know, the post coverage and then you saw uh, Mike Mayock on the phone with him and he made uh, Farrell promise, look, you know, we're drafting. You're going to be a leader on this team. You promise me you're going to be a leader? You So, you know, he may not be the best defensive end, uh, but I think that... uh, Supposedly, he interviewed real well. Uh, no baggage attached. Uh, maybe showed some some leadership qualities in those uh, in those interviews. And and you know, with everything going on in the NFL these days, maybe that's gonna you know, take a little bit of a bigger uh, part of the whole process of uh, bringing players on board. And uh, obviously, you know what I'm alluding to, but, uh, you know, with the, yeah. the the Chiefs situation. But uh, yeah. I think that, that that had a lot to do with it, supposedly. the Just the, not only his play on the field, but just uh, his ability to be a leader. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. And he's got this great pedigree
2: coming from Clemson, winning a national right. championship, he's a being a leader on that team. Mm-hmm. So uh, I understand it, honestly, as – uh, and look, I, I'm probably higher than, on Farrell than some other people are. I happen to watch a lot of ACC football. Of, of the college football that I watch, it mm-hmm. tends to be ACC-focused. It's where school I went to plays in the ACC, so I end up seeing a, a, a lot of Clemson. I suppose, a, I suppose most people see a lot of Clemson because they're the best team in the country. But uh, <laughs> that, that was the best defensive line maybe in the history of college football. They had three guys drafted in the first round. In the top 17 picks, in fact, with Farrell, Wilkins, and uh, Lawrence all going in the top 17. So, yeah, these really end up being slight arguments. Uh, You don't have to freak out over uh, where these guys go as long as they're productive. Um, So, you know, the Raiders, what they did with their other picks, I can't say I'm in love with it because I— I personally, I, I thought the Raiders might take Josh Jacobs, and that's ended ended up what's happening. What happened, excuse me, and with Marshawn Lynch retiring. It makes sense that they have somebody to pass it over to. Uh, their depth chart at running back it doesn't blow you away. So Josh Jacobs is the pick there. They also went with Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State. Three Mississippi State Bulldogs dropped in the first round. So I would imagine Jonathan Abram. Uh, indicates that Carl Joseph, their current safety, may be on the move. I said that the other night. I think that uh, still may be the case. Um, uh, there were rumors of him potentially being traded last year. So, uh, and they they backed that up with Trayvon Mullen, a corner, last night, uh, first early pick in the second round. So, a couple of defensive backs, defensive end, a running back, to the Raiders' credit, they're starting to add players. It's a volume play for them, and I think yeah. they knew it. That's why they didn't. I thought they might trade out of four, but they stayed there. And they got Farrell. So we'll come back. We'll keep breaking down teams, breaking down picks, winners and losers, day
0: one, day two, and then today's day three. We'll be right back on FSD. It's a Saturday edition.
2: Angle Producing. Just rocking on a Saturday morning, so thanks for joining us for FST on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. So, I didn't mean to bury the lead in any way, it's just that the Giants and the Raiders were two really big teams that were part of the first round. We're going to talk through all the quarterbacks, and I'll get it started now, because the really the biggest story of yesterday's draft, there were some excellent players drafted and and teams continuing to add to their hall but the big story last night was the final and eventual landing spot for Josh Rosen. We thought it might happen on Thursday night. I'll be honest, I thought it was going to happen Thursday night, but the Dolphins played this beautifully. Not only did Rosen as they waited, the longer they waited, the more it became obvious that the only landing spot for Rosen was Miami. And Arizona better do something quick. And they waited a little too long. Mm-hmm. And not only did they – not only did Drew Locke then go off the board, closing out Denver as an option, but Miami, who was at 48 in the second round, traded out of that pick, traded with the Saints to trade out of that pick and traded all the way down to 62. They acquired picks later in the draft. They then used that number 62 pick um, – which the card, uh, yeah. So the Cardinals shipped Rosen to the Miami Dolphins in exchange for Miami's second-round pick, 62nd overall, which the Cardinals used to select wide receiver Andy Isabella. So that was a player that was talked about quite a bit. Maybe a third rounder. He elevates to the second round, and a 2020 fifth-round pick. So effectively, what this trade is is Josh Rosen to Miami, and Arizona ends up with wide receiver Andy Isabella who obviously has elite speed and is seen to be potentially a a good possession receiver as well. He's got an interesting combination there because he is so fast that you do, he's small, but he's so fast you don't have to limit to the slot. He can actually, you know, run some nine rounds and conceivably get open that way. And a twenty twenty fifth round pick. So if you, uh, he's a top 10 rated quarterback last year, Joe. He mm-hmm. plays on a, in a miserable organization last year. The offense was as bad as it gets. One of the worst offensive lines you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't play well, but there was no quarterback that could have played well there last year. And the right. Dolphins get him for what's effectively a late second round pick and next year's fifth. I think it's brilliant. And now they have somebody to take a look at. And they're not married to him in a big way. There's interesting things about Rosen is now they have the three years left on the rookie contract, plus they can exercise a 50-year option if he's playing well. If he really bombs out this year and maybe this year and the Dolphins are bad, they can actually sort of do what the Cardinals just did. If they find themselves at the top of the draft and they want to draft Tua, Vilova, uh, or uh, Justin Herbert or whomever, throws their, gets their hat in the ring early in the draft, then they can really do that, and they're not overly committed to Josh Rosen. They're not. Not only the things that I just mentioned, but Josh Rosen's uh, bonus money has already been paid by the Cardinals, so there's even a financial incentive there, too.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Great move by the Dolphins. And look, uh, Rosen's value just continued to to fall. You know, once... uh, the worst kept secret in football that the, the Cardinals are going to be taking uh, uh, Kyler Murray, right? I mean, yeah. what, what did they expect? And, and, and going back to the Giants, this is kind of like what I wanted the Giants to do is maybe, you know, explore trade possibilities. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, th- their second round pick would have gotten Rosen. And uh, like, if, if, and any team, like the Giants, the Dolphins, you, you kind of alluded to it. If the, if the Dolphins end up tanking th- this season, uh, which th- they're probably not going to be very good at all. And if Rosen is not the guy... Uh, you know, what, what have you really lost? Then you'll have a, a high draft pick in a quarterback, uh, a more quarterback-friendly draft next season. So uh, kudos to the Dolphins. And, you know, it, it was kind of surprising that uh, I guess the Cardinals wanted to make sure that they got what they perceived to be full value for him, but it just wasn't there because, you know, how are you going to get full value for a first-round pick from last season that you're – giving up on you know right away and i don't blame the cardinals really for for moving on from him you know uh cliff, uh, cliff kingsbury uh, thinks that murray could run his uh, air raid offense a little bit better but look yeah. <laughs> you know. it's a really unique scenario what happened with the cardinals and if they feel like they have
2: their guy that's going to be a much better fit for their system with their new head coach then fine move on The Rosen thing, I never thought a first-round value was going to be there. I probably said on this show three months ago that just trade, or excuse me, whatever it was that Kyler uh, announced, which was before the combine, so it's a minimum of two months ago. So I just thought the the value was a second-round pick, and I remember pounding the table saying the Giants and Washington Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. should really consider this. Right now – maybe they didn't have him graded that high. That's the one thing you can't really know. Right. And you can't really yell at the teams about it. They're grading all of these guys. So if the Giants put Daniel Jones, and Dwayne Haskins, and and Josh Rosen in a list, and Josh Rosen comes up second or third, then it doesn't really matter what the hell I say. Same with Washington. Right. If they have Haskins over Rosen then and they feel like they could get Haskins, then so be it. And if things went haywire and Denver took Haskins and Washington was there, then maybe they say, all right, let's do this. Second-round pick. We're not going to give you into number 15 for it, so let's do it right now. And Miami just played it out perfectly and or it played out perfectly for them. Denver was probably out on Rosen, and they end up with Drew Locke last night. But So credit to them. I, I really do like who Miami's added so far in the draft. You have – Christian Wilkins uh, drafted in the first round. Then they end up with Josh Rosen, effectively, in the second round, and then Michael Deiter in the third round. I don't know as much about him, to be honest, but Wilkins is another guy who, four-year player at Clemson, two national championships, considered to be an academic All-Americans, considered to be, like, the team leader down there in Clemson. So I love him as a player. As much as I've... Bash the Dolphins' ownership for not being up to par uh, in decision-making, and frankly, they've made a lot of mistakes, it seems like they've finally kind of blown it all up and decided (laughs) to build this slowly and the right way. Mm -hmm. Because in the last few years, they've drafted Xavier Howard, who's developing into a top corner in the league. They drafted Minka Fitzpatrick, who was one of my favorite players in the draft last year, and now Christian Wilkins, again, one of my favorite players in the draft. So they have they they have some solid defenders now. It's a relatively young defense as they try to build up the offense now behind Josh Rosen. It's full steam ahead now with Josh Rosen, but again, if it doesn't work out initially with Rosen, they can reset at quarterback, and it won't hurt them.
1: Right. I agree. Uh, like, I, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, supposedly next season's uh, quarterback class is a lot stronger. So uh, if things don't work out, <laughs> they could just, uh, you know, move on. And and uh, we were talking about Rosen, you know, uh, during the commercial break. Uh, uh, we, Steve Smith giving him grief <laughs> because he yeah. unfollowed the Cardinals and uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel for Rosen, you know, like last season, you know, he looked like he, he had a, a chip on the shoulder when he was taking 10th overall and said, well, there were nine teams that made mistakes in a way that you like that kind of confidence from someone who's going to be your leader. You know, you don't want someone who to be too uh, shy and, and not confident in their abilities. But Steve Smith uh, totally went off on uh, on Rosen. I, I thought, uh, you know, he's just, Rosen doesn't have enough heart. I mean, uh, it's a man's game, be a man. I mean, come on. You know, I, I, you know for, for all uh, of what I thought of Rosen last year with that little chip on his shoulder, the fact that he was quiet and just, uh, you know, I feel for the guy. So I'm, I'm rooting for him
2: the unfollowing on social media thing couldn't be more <laughs> overplayed to me right, right. i i don't really care he he didn't say anything about it he, right. kept, he he just kept to himself and now he's in a new team if he starts firing off and bashing the dolphins or ba- bashing the cardinals rather mm-hmm. then i'd have a problem with it but right. i don't really expect him to do that in fact i was talking with a friend last night who his kids go to the same school that Dwayne Haskins went to down in mm-hmm. the DC area. And everybody loves Haskins. Really good kid. Um, he's now basically playing for his hometown team. Yep. He's in a situation where he grew up in New Jersey, but uh, right around high school. Sean Springs, a former NFL player became friends with the family, and he is effectively a mentor to Dwayne Haskins, and he got him to move down to Maryland and play at this school, and he's obviously thrived, uh, throwing 50 touchdowns at Ohio State last year and Big Ten record. But even he the other night, he's a first-round pick, and it's okay if it's a personal motivator to play the chip on his shoulder and, you know. 14 teams passed on me, and 14 teams made mistakes, much in the same way that Josh Rosen did last year. But realistically, for Dwayne Haskins, the only teams that were going to pick a quarterback were the Giants and the Cardinals. And Denver and Cincinnati could have, too. So it isn't like the whole league passed on you. So for him, it did everything right along the way. And I heard interviews with him, and he sounded like a really good kid, and like he's getting good leadership. For him to say that the league messed up and (laughs) have have a pouty face on, while you're just a first-round pick in the draft, I just thought it was a bad move. Just be mm-hmm. gracious about it. Um, it's okay to play with that chip. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers obviously do that, mm-hmm. and Aaron Rodgers was a first-round pick. I'm just saying don't put him on blast during the draft. Just keep. I, I, I personally think he should just keep quiet and, and use that as a personal motivator is, and catch right. people off
1: guard with it. Anyway. I know um, Del Beckham Jr. texted him and said, hey, show him why. So yeah, <laughs> so that's what he's got to do. Show him. I actually think that, that that's a good landing spot for Haskins. I mean, Redskins I like Gruden as a coach. Yeah. right. Good offensive line. Uh, even has yes. an opportunity to guys. Uh, yeah, and uh, he has an opportunity uh, to actually come out of camp as a starter. Probably won't. Maybe you know a few games in. Maybe Case Keenum's a the starter there. But uh, I think by the end of the season, he's going to be the starting quarterback there. So, and uh, I think uh, it's a good good. Good landing spot for him. Well, Kyler's going to obviously start day one.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jones, Jones, I would say, won't. Right, I agree. And I would bet that Haskins will start right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I think bringing Colt McCoy in there is almost pointless. Washington as a team is a playoff contender as far as their roster is concerned. They had some losses not, and Alex Smith's loss has now been replaced by a young quarterback. They did have some free agency losses, but they also drafted Montez Sweat in the first yeah. round. They yeah. drafted Terry McLaurin last night, a wide receiver from Ohio state. That's thought to be a pretty good addition. I do think their wide receiving core is pretty weak. They lost Jameson Crowder. Josh Doxon is always hurt. Paul Richardson is there. They gave a fair amount of money to now Terry McLaurin. So I'm not, and they have Jordan Reed there, who's a consistent injury, but nonetheless a talent. Uh, so I think there's something to work with there, and I, I think your point is is well made. They do have a good offensive line. They're bringing Darius Geis back off of injury, so they'll mm-hmm. have a young, dynamic running back. Hopefully that will be – you know, he won't be back to 100% probably until at some point during the season, but he got hurt pretty early on. He got hurt I mean, uh, before the season in August. so. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is something to work with there. I, 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 Dan, um, Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen have made a million mistakes. But I actually thought they did a really good job here in the first round the other night. McLaurin is a nice addition in round three. Mm-hmm. And I think they played it well. Whereas the Giants didn't play it well, Washington played the board well. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll be moving forward with a, a competitive team. They were 6-2 and two before Alex Smith got hurt. Uh, but I think there's something there. This is a roster that I don't think it's a Super Bowl contender, but it's a playoff contender.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, they took advantage of uh, a lot of teams having uh, some cold feet regarding sweat, regarding uh, the, his heart condition. Because, uh, yes. you know, he would have went a uh, lot sooner than uh, pick 19 in the first round. So
2: Yeah, I thought that late story that was reported by Ian Rappaport of NFL.com, I thought... That story late on Thursday might bump him back up, but it appears the team's still a little worried. The mm-hmm. thickness uh, of – apparently the thickness of the wall of his heart is thicker than it needs to be. So, so one might can assume it to be a, in a regular heart condition or uh, a-, a risk long-term for his career. Mm-hmm. But there there is a conflicting report that says that's actually not the case. It was mismeasured. And – He's fine. So I I can't – I don't know how we decipher that. Doctors arguing over the, right, of right, the right. wall of somebody's heart. We just have to take it for what it is and hope that it doesn't create any – long term health ramifications. So that's Absolutely. it. On Washington. As far as Arizona is concerned, now they did so they blow the number ten pick last year, but they're in a unique position where they can reset right away with the quarterback that they want. They get Byron Murphy, the corner from Washington, with the first pick of the second round. They end up with Andy Isabella, a an interesting wide receiver by way of the Josh Rosen trade. And then Zach Allen with the third First pick of the third round, Zach Allen from Boston College, somebody that I know really well. He is a really solid kid. He was like an academic All-American in high school. He was thought to be initially maybe an offensive lineman coming out of high school, but quickly transitioned to the defensive side of the ball, and he was really productive. So a couple years in a row that BC has placed past rushers in that second or third round, it was Harold Landry, to the Titans last year, now Zach Allen from BC there. Arizona's got a long way to go on this roster. Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess the one thing I'm surprised about is that there are no offensive linemen in their draft plans as of yet. They're going to have Christian Kirk coming off an ACL injury. It's unclear when he'll be back. I don't think he'd be ready for the start of the season because Kirk got hurt pretty late. Uh, So... Larry Fitzgerald, Andy Isabella, Chad Williams, Christian Kirk coming off injury. That's who Kyler will have to work with. But they're going to have to continue to uh, build up that offensive line. They added J.R. Sweezy uh, during the offseason. Uh, they had Justin Pugh last year. So uh, it was miserable last year. They're going to have to continue to build it. I, they ad- they added somebody like Terrell Suggs, who's really on a one-year deal. Uh but Byron Murphy opposite Patrick Peterson long term, I think that's something that's pretty interesting, assuming Pat Peterson continues to his career in Arizona mm-hmm. for the long term. So uh, as much as you can bash him for botching the Rosen thing, the collection of players they've had in these first few days is pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, like you, I'm a little surprised that they haven't gone after an offensive lineman as of yet. I mean, that's going to help uh, uh, David Johnson uh, also uh, when you talk about their wide receivers. If, if This air raid offense that I was reading about, they need uh, four functioning wide receivers, right? Uh, Pass-heavy uh, you know, strategy when it comes to that air raid offense. So it'll be interesting to see what they do the rest of the draft. Kevin White, the former top 10 pick, he's, he's on the Cardinals
2: now too, so maybe they can Throw a shot in the arm to his career. Mm-hmm. So come back. We'll keep talking. Draft. Get to my team next the Pittsburgh Steelers. Traded up, got go. their guy. We'll be right back. <laughs>
0: Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry
1: no
2: more. Shawnee Gaines thrown it back. I don't know if I'm going to be playing some Kansas here as some sort of represent that I need to talk about Tyree Kill, but I'll get to it. No, boy. Don't you worry. All right. We'll we'll try to do that this segment. If we don't, uh, we'll get to it top of the hour. But I want to talk about my squad, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Joe. There you go. Joe Galina. (laughs) I have to say I'm pretty damn happy about it. I am. I'm happy about it. I do think that the Steelers were (sighs) – I I said this during our mock mock draft that we did a couple of weeks ago. And, by the way, you can see all the – All the clips from Thursday night and from the mock draft a couple of weeks ago. Just go to our YouTube page, Fantasy Sports Network, FNTSY. Just search it there. Or go to my Twitter feed. I've retweeted a million clips over the last few days leading up to the draft. I'll probably do some more today. Maybe even during the show. I'll multitask. You Uh, you can just go to my Twitter (laughs) feed, and you, you, you can click through to the Fantasy Sports Network channel there. Um, And during our mock draft, we ended up, the way it worked out, somehow Devin Bush got to the Steelers at 20. We all said there's no way that happens during the real mock draft. He's too valuable of a player. But it's the ideal player that I wanted the Steelers to pick. This is a team that historically and currently, <coughs> excuse me, I'm getting fired up, Uh <laughs> his is built through their linebackers. It's just the way the team is built. They consistently draft linebackers early because it's a big focus of the way they play defense. Attacking linebackers, the Steelers are always very high in the league in sacks, or usually very high in the league in sacks. What's been an issue for them defensively recently is that they haven't been able to force turnovers. The entire fortune of this franchise changed when Ryan Shazier got hurt. Yeah. So with all all the drama with Ben and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and is Mike Tomlin handling the locker room well, this all fell apart when Ryan Shazier got hurt. They were the best team in the NFL. I thought thought for the – you know how year over year you can kind of assess what you think your team is going to do? And I really tried my best to do it objectively. I really thought two years ago that the Steelers could win the Super Bowl. They had the roster – bell brown ben the whole crew juju was a rookie uh shazier was playing at an elite level cam hayward uh, top to bottom their weakness was they have a very good offensive line their weakness was maybe in the defensive backfield but they were making up for it they were leading the league in sacks making plays shazier got hurt it completely fell apart they didn't play well down the stretch they lost that and we're thinking think back to the 2017 season. They lost that game in brutal fashion to the Patriots. Then they sort of sputtered down the end not playing well and then lose that home playoff game to Jacksonville. A miserable defensive performance in that game. Then last year they played as bad as you can freaking play and they went 9 and 6 they went 9 6 and 1. They turned the ball over too much, or a million penalties and consistently they didn't get. They couldn't force turnovers. They need somebody in the middle to replace Ryan Shazier. He's not coming back. I wish him all the luck, and I hope he's doing forty-yard sprints by the end of this year. What his comeback from that um, partial paralysis is amazing. Yes, it is. But he isn't coming back to be the middle linebacker of the Steelers. It's just not. It's not going to happen like that. So they needed the top guy on their board. I guess you can include Devin White, who we all knew was going to go to the Bucks, or at least in that range. The top guy was Devin Bush, and sitting mm-hmm. at 20, they knew they wouldn't get him, so they trade up with Denver. They gave up a little bit. They gave up a second-round pick, an additional pick, but it wasn't terribly expensive to get a guy that they feel can replace and and bolster the middle of their lineup. Devin White is graded out as higher, but your top need on the team They have a player that can do it. There's a big drop-off between those two linebackers, White and Bush, and everybody else, so they get the guy that they wanted. Three-down linebacker, great athleticism. Uh, The only negative that our college football guy said is um, maybe his technique is a little sloppier, like he sometimes goes for the big hit, doesn't wrap, but I, I feel like that's something that can be fixed, and I'm thrilled with the pick.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. From everything I read, uh, you know, I'm in total agreement with with you. Supposedly, uh, you know, a a bit undersized, but he's got that speed, three down back, versatile, can uh, rush the quarterback, uh, play against the run, drop back into coverage. So, uh, you know, all in one. Uh, Kudos to uh, the Steelers identifying that they need their need and uh, going out and trading up.
2: The last time they made an aggressive trade-up in the first round was 2003 when they drafted Troy Palamalu. They traded up 11 spots in that instance. Uh, the other night they traded up 10 spots. So obviously, hopefully, they see a legitimate return. They had also, just the year before, Troy had traded up to get Santonio Holmes, who uh, obviously had his issues, but he had big moments, and he was a Super Bowl MVP as well. So uh, it's a long time ago. We'll see if they have similar success, but I'm, I'm thrilled with the – with them addressing that need, they did not get a, they did not have a second round pick as a result of that trade, uh, but they did pick up Deontay Johnson, a wide receiver from Toledo, in the at the beginning of the third round, 5'11", 183, So another uh, undersized, but he's got decent speed. He just right. tested badly at the combine, mm-hmm. um, but they have a guy that they feel has really good hands.
1: And ironically, they used uh, one of the picks they got in the Antonio Brown That's right. trade. <laughs> That's right. But you're right. right. I mean, uh, I, and I don't know how much people want to put into uh, combine numbers. Maybe you just had a, a bad day. Maybe you just don't test well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's got some upside, I think.
2: So Pittsburgh has drafted four future Pro Bowl wideouts outside of the first round since 2009. That's two more than any other team. I, I'm trying to think if I can. That's Antonio Brown, Mike Wallace. Uh, Juju and who am I missing Emmanuel Sanders so it's got to be him as well so Mm -hmm. all four of those guys are not first-round picks so we'll see if James Washington can step up yeah yeah and then Deontay Johnson James Washington not particularly big either so he doesn't have elite size to throw to anymore but with antonio brown he didn't either antonio brown's just great so he's not big but he's just great so and they pick up a corner in the third round justin lane from michigan state uh i i would say it, if the steelers had stayed at 20 they probably would have because bush would have been gone they probably would have ended up taking a corner so they really are addressing their needs um no problems with what they did here uh i am very happy about it
1: so do you think they uh, keep Jalen Samuels as a, as a running back primarily? Because didn't he have, like, a history of being a, a tight end? I know that yes. Jesse James is gone and Vance McDonald is, is their guy. He had a nice season last season. But do you think that so, they uh, – So a I'm story
2: sorry. that came up last night, the the Vikings drafted Irv Smith. Yeah. Uh, which to some people signifies their them moving on from Kyle Rudolph. And it seems like there are Kyle Rudolph – trade rumors out there. I actually do think that the Steelers would be an ideal spot for somebody like that. There yeah. are going to be plenty of teams that would be interested in Rudolph. He may not be an elite tight end, but he's an experienced guy who can really get the job done, and I do think that the Steelers are the type of team that will be making calls for somebody like Rudolph, that somebody that can slot yeah. in and be productive. Uh, I, that was the, my first thought, is he's somebody that could be useful. Now, they have Vance McDonald. Vance McDonald has proven to be um, serviceable, at least. Uh, I don't know that they want to work with Xavier Grimble as the second tight end. So I could see them adding some depth with Rudolph. Depends what the asking price is, though, right? We're, we're into mm-hmm. the fourth rounds now. So mm-hmm. if you want a mm-hmm. current draft pick, so be it. But if they want something a little bit more valuable, maybe there's a player-for-player trade in there. The Steelers, a part of this offshoot of Ryan Shays, uh, excuse me, Devin Bush coming in, is the Steelers knowing that five six seven eight nine yeah, fifth-year pro Bud Dupree, who was a first-round pick for them in 2015, is getting paid $9 million this year. He has not lived up to the first-round status. Mm-hmm. He's been very up and down. And I think, and most people suspect, that Bud Dupree won't be on the Steelers next year. It's another reason to bolster the linebacking core. So you have T.J. Watt. It's a home run. Yes. Look, look, just to give you a sense of how the Steelers attack this position, 2019, Devin Bush, they trade up to get him linebacker. 2017, T.J. Watt, first-round pick. 2015, Bud Dupree, first-round pick. Prior to that, Jarvis Jones, first-round pick, didn't work out. Not on the Steelers anymore. Don't even know where he is in the league. So they take swings. They miss sometimes. But they take their swings. They know they need linebackers. TJ Watt had thirteen and a half sacks last year and that's another part of it too. So uh they, they signed Mark Barron during the off season. They have really good depth at linebacker now. Um one might some might say great. But that's how the team's built. So okay. Uh so the Kyle Rudolph thing is interesting. Might as well talk about Minnesota. I can save well, we'll see if we can squeeze Tyreek Hill in here too. Uh so Minnesota. They do draft Irv Smith there, second round. In the second round, they stayed put in the first round, and took their top need. If I had to ask you what the top need of Minnesota Vikings is, what would you tell? Them? What would you tell them? <laughs> offensive line. That's right. All day <laughs> Texans, Texans, and Minnesota desperately needed offensive linemen because mm-hmm. those teams are really talented, and the weakness is so glaringly obvious. What they are, mm-hmm. um, Kirk Cousins needs to have a clean pocket. That's just a type of guy. He is. He's just better off that way. So they draft Garrett Bradbury, who is a versatile offensive lineman, little center, little guard, good interior lineman. He, he did a great job during this whole run-up to the draft, combine, interviews, all that kind of stuff. But Bradbury is one of the big winners of this process going in the middle of the first round. So, uh, so they do that. They add a tight end. It's created these Rudolph trade rumors, and then they drafted Alexander Madison, a running back from Boise. Obviously, they spent pretty big draft capital on Dalvin Cook a couple of years ago. It was a second rounder. It wasn't a first rounder. But Mm -hmm. we haven't seen consistent production out of Dalvin Cook. I've been hurt a lot. But I think that's, you know, that's Madison, uh, Amir Abdullah, Dalvin Cook, Michael Boone. There you are. They're going to try and I think the pieces are there. They obviously had a disappointing season last year, but they are certainly a playoff contender with a lot of defensive talent when they were able to retain Anthony Barr during the offseason. No really big losses there. So uh, so that's it on Minnesota. Now, I wonder if we should do this now or wait till the top of the hour. Let's save the Chiefs for the top of the hour, so I'll bounce to another team because there's a lot to cover w- with the Chiefs uh, in particular. So let's go to our other New York team. I know I'm bouncing all over the place, uh, but I thought the Jets were going to be a bigger part of the story on Thursday night. I I think it's apparent to me that as many trades as we thought might happen in the upper part of the first round didn't happen. There was only the one trade with the Steelers. Now, it went crazy at the end of the draft. So if you had the six and a half over on round one trades, which I had, then you hit it because it ended up with seven or eight there at the end of the first round. Teams kept trading up. The Giants traded up. Atlanta traded up and more. I thought the Jets would be a bigger part of it. They only have five picks in total in the draft. They've taken three. Quinn and Williams at three. Uh, Jahai Polite from florida a defensive end that was at one point thought to be a first round talent but there was some off-field stuff with him that just take him with the fourth pick of the third round they didn't have a second round pick because of the colts trade from last year mm-hmm. so they and then they have chuma edoga he's an offensive tackle from usc they get him in the third round last night as well they only have two picks today I'd imagine they'll try to make some maneuvers. The only pick of value, really, is this third pick of the fourth round, the third pick off the board today. They may be able to move that for multiple picks. So I think the Jets going in really wanted to move down and obtain more picks. I do think the roster needs more help than just adding a couple of players. But it's clear that it wasn't there. So they stayed home and took the safest pick. Somebody, Some people think that he could be the best player in the whole draft in Quentin Williams, and it's going to help Leonard Williams enormously.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, my cousin happens to be a huge Jets fan. He wanted them to go after Josh Allen because he said, hey, the Jets are going to use that 3-4 uh, you know, uh, format this year, and they thought that maybe Allen could have been uh, better playing in that kind of a scheme. But like you said, uh, Many consider Quinnen uh, Williams to be uh, the <laughs> number one talent in the draft, so uh, I, th- I, think I think it's a good a good move.
2: Look, Josh Allen may be an unbelievable pass rusher, and I could and I wouldn't have criticized the Jets for taking him there. I just think when you do, you everybody has to have integrity about their roster, mm-hmm. which we we which is the biggest problem that the Giants have, and they have to have integrity about what their board is. You can draft to need to some extent. The Steelers have a glaring hole at linebacker. They had to draft to need. Right. So there's there's obviously some sort of balance between need and overall talent. You can't reach at a guy at a position when there are many players better than him. People say the Raiders may have done that. But in this instance, uh, I think the Jets stayed home graded everybody thought Quentin Williams is the best player available on the draft to them at this point. I would suspect that they probably would have taken Bosa had he just somehow dropped to them if the Niners mm-hmm. took Williams, but still, there you go. Uh, I, I, I liked what the Jets did. They just haven't added that many picks. And I think that was really what they wanted to do. We'll see if they can move this top pick in the fourth round, but adding an offensive lineman and two defensive linemen, uh, polite can create some pass rush. I think that – I think they're coming out of it okay. Yeah. I don't know if it's an A-plus, but I, I think they're doing okay.
1: Yeah. Do you think uh, – are you satisfied with their uh, receiving options at this stage? I mean, Anderson, noir Anun- and uh, I kind of like what what Anderson brings to the table, man. I think If healthy, you know, he could be like a – you know, a high-end – I think they're in the driver's.
2: same position as last year yeah. where they don't have a number one. But they have, they have a bunch of good guys. Yeah. Anderson and and Crowder. Right. Mm -hmm. Anderson, Anderson, I think Crowder adds a nice piece for Darnold Mm -hmm. if he can stay healthy, which he often doesn't. But I, I do like their options. I still think they need to upgrade. But that's, I think the Jets are 12 months away from being a real contender anyway. So we'll come back, top of the hour, talk to Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs. It's FST Mike and Joe. We'll be right back.